Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. Good morning, Garden Church. It is such an honor to be with all of you this morning as we continue in our Rule of Life series. If we haven't met yet, my name is Jake Thibodeau, and I so look forward to the day where I get to meet you face to face, if I haven't already. Up until this point, we have worked through life with God, life with others, and today we wrap up work life. Darren started us off with stewardship, and Julian last week brought a beautiful word on vocation. If you missed that, I highly recommend you go listen to it. And today we finish up taking a look at the Sabbath. But before we dive in, let me pray. We invite you here, Holy Spirit. We acknowledge your presence with us, and we ask for more of you. Bring us into your rest. Let us be easy for a moment. Amen. So there's no question that we live in a world that is obsessed with hustle and progress, efficiency, speed, productivity, upward mobility, and opportunity. And if you're anything like me, sitting down to rest, at least while you're learning how to do it, can be accompanied with feelings of guilt and frustration and lies. And in my experience, this is the result of a deeply embedded message from our culture that wants us to believe that our identity and our productivity are somehow deeply connected. Or put another way, the world wants us to believe that we are what we do. Have you felt that? Do you know that pressure? Because <laughs> if, you, if you do and you have, you're not alone. Now, Sabbath is not a new conversation for our community here at the Garden. And today is going to be less of a theological deep dive and more heavily weighted on how we might practically integrate Sabbath into our lives. But if Sabbath is a new idea for you, we're going to have a quick reminder of what it is and why we need it in our rule of life. So for our conversation today, the Sabbath is a day that we set aside once a week for resting, worshiping, and delighting in God. The word Sabbath most simply means to stop, but it can also be translated as to rest, to celebrate, or even to delight. And Sabbath is a practice from the life of Jesus that has the potential to stand up against the gospel of our culture and form us into the kinds of people who live under the easy yoke of Jesus, rooted in a deep trusting of our Heavenly Father and ready to engage the frantic world around us as a non-anxious presence. Now, maybe you're familiar with Sabbath and you've been practicing it faithfully for years. Amazing. Maybe you've tried it before and gotten frustrated and kind of given up on the Sabbath. Or maybe Sabbath is totally new to you. But wherever you find yourself, I believe that there's something here for us today and that the Holy Spirit wants to use this practice in our community as a kind of anchor that keeps us grounded in the kind of rest that Jesus invites us into. Now, while Sabbath is something that we see in the rhythm, in the life of Jesus, its origins are much older than that. The first time we see the word Sabbath is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 3. It says, Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. From there, in Exodus chapter 20, we see this. It says, remember the Sabbath day, keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath 
to Yahweh your God, and on it you shall not do any work, neither your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days Yahweh made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And later, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, we see a slight variation of this command with a beautifully different emphasis. The Lord tells Israel, he says, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as Yahweh your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to Yahweh your God, and on it you shall do no work, neither you nor your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any of the foreigners residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and Yahweh your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, Yahweh your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Ah, in short, in Exodus, we see the Sabbath is an invitation to rest and to worship. But in Deuteronomy, it's this kind of resistance to the kind of life that the people of God had to live while under the rule of Pharaoh. They were slaves and now they're not and slaves don't get to rest. So in your freedom, enter into rest. And then when we get to the Gospels, we come to the place to let Jesus reframe the Sabbath for us. So if you have your Bible on hand, open up to the end of Matthew chapter 11. And while you're getting there, I want to frame this as I'm framing with Jesus' words from Mark. In Mark chapter 2, verse 27, Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And this reminder is just as potent for us as it was for Jesus's original audience. The Sabbath is a gift to enjoy. And it is a gift that we need to learn how to enjoy, but it's a gift nonetheless. Sabbath was never meant to be a religious burden to carry. So, Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. These are some of my favorite words of Jesus. And I love how Eugene Peterson puts it in the message. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace, and I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you will learn how to live freely and lightly. Oh, so good. Now, there's so much in these verses that we can unpack, but that's not my job today. Today, I want to draw our attention to the fact that it isn't until right after these iconic words of Jesus that we get the first mention of the Sabbath in Matthew's gospel. 
And Matthew's gospel is the most Jewish of the gospels. They were very familiar with the Sabbath, and we don't hear about it once until chapter 12, right after this story. Matthew chapter 12, 1 through 13, is a story about Jesus on the Sabbath, frustrating the expectations of the Pharisees, eating grain from a field that he picked, healing a man with a withered hand. Matthew's gospel comes to show us Jesus, God with us, who redefines the Sabbath day as a day for provision, wholeness, healing, and delight. Missionary and Bible Project contributor Missy Tanako has this quote where she says that Jesus reminded the people of God's actual intent for the Sabbath day. Unity with God, creation, and each other. That was found, uh, unity with God, creation, and each other, that was first found in Eden on page one of the Bible. Jesus taught that the Sabbath was about mercy and it was purposeful. It was supposed to point to him, the one promised through all of Israel's prophets, the one who would restore the rhythm of creation. When Jesus, when followers of Jesus observe the Sabbath, we live as if the re this restoration has already taken place. We take a break from the broken rhythms of hustle and hardship to set aside a time of submission to his rule and enjoyment of his presence and to extend these things to the world around us. When we observe the Sabbath well, we become little resting places of God's presence. That is so, so helpful, such a good word. And now as beautiful as the Sabbath is, it is so radically countercultural that it takes practice to integrate this into our lives. Especially now that we've been homebound for the better part of a year. And I, Sabbath is an idea in my life that I heard about probably four years ago and didn't even really start taking it seriously until maybe two years ago. And in this past year, with all of the chaos that it brought, Sabbath has a richer, deeper meaning for my wife and I now than it ever did before. And there's a good reason for this. I remember it like it was yesterday. And it almost was a year ago exactly, which is crazy. Tuesday, March 17th, 2020. I was at the restaurant where I work as a server. And we got the word that it was time to shut the doors. Whatever had been happening in the rest of the world had snuck its way through the orange curtain and made its way to Orange County. And with very little communication or clarity really at what was happening or what might happen, I remember heading home and kind of celebrating uh, what ended up being a half day of work. And as I'm driving home, my short drive down PCH, the weight of what just happened began to, to set in. And I, I call my wife and I remember saying something like, hey, I'm pretty sure I just lost my job for a little while. And yeah, that weight of my only income being gone, um, driving home, wrestling with how long do I get to keep my apartment? I instantly became an accountant versus trying to remind myself of all the ways that God has shown up in our life. And he's been so, so faithful. And in the weeks to come with no job and so much downtime to rest, 
I found myself only becoming increasingly anxious. The Sabbath rhythm that we had built up, that we had come to enjoy, was quickly overshadowed by feelings of a deep need to fix our situation, to claw our way out of this thing that we found ourselves in. Restful Saturdays that had been spent enjoying the presence of God very quickly devolved into just mindlessly spending hours on LinkedIn, so confused at how you're supposed to have three plus years of experience to get an entry level job. And we would go a few months after that without enjoying a real Sabbath together. And it wasn't because we hadn't tasted and seen how good Sabbath is. The best way I know how to describe it is that we had effectively, I had effectively walked back into Egypt and asked Pharaoh for advice on how to make my situation better. And any attempt to Sabbath early on was met with lies like, you should be looking for a job right now, or you're just wasting time. Or what's the difference between Sabbath and Tuesday when, it, when you're in quarantine and you're locked down? Or the worst one was, what do you need to rest from anyways? Now, maybe you can relate to any of those. And if that's the case, I just want to pray right now that the Holy Spirit would meet you and remind you of what's truest about you. Would re-invite you into the kind of rest that Jesus has on offer. And since then, my wife and I have slowly rebuilt Sabbath rhythms, and it looks so differently than it did a year ago. Learning how to implement it with new rhythms of life, with new schedules, and we're constantly making micro-adjustments along the way, sometimes totally missing the mark. Author Ruth Haley Barton, in her book, Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership, says this, Sabbath-keeping is the linchpin of a life lived in sync with the rhythms that God himself built into our world. And yet, it is the discipline that seems hardest for us to live. Sabbath keeping honors the body's need for rest, the spirit's need for replenishment, and the soul's need to delight itself in God for God's own sake. It begins with a willingness to acknowledge the limits of our humanness, and then to take steps to live more graciously within the order of things. The process of building this rhythm or rebuilding for some of us is not flashy and it's not even very fun. I have this picture as I think about this of like a, a construction site and if you're anything like me, I don't know hardly anything about construction. So from a distance, it feels loud and chaotic and there's so much going on that coming up to it feels overwhelming coming to it with no direction is, is more harmful than helpful almost. And it's not until we're given a, a hammer and a nail and some direction, hey, go do this, start here, that we kind of have the confidence to enter in. And that is what this process is like. At least that picture has been helpful for me. So this next bit, as we move into the practical, is honestly just some some reflections from a recent rebuilding period that my wife and I have gone through. Blueprints that will hopefully help you give shape to your Sabbath day that fits your season and your stage of life. 
and gives you some handles on how you might start to implement or re-implement the Sabbath into your rule of life. Now, as we get started, uh, there's two things, there's a few things that I think are massively helpful in defining what the Sabbath is not. First, the Sabbath is not a day of selfishness. Author A.J. Swoboda has this line in his book, The Subversive Sabbath. He says, the Sabbath is not a form of indulgent individualism dressed in religious piety. In other words, don't use the Sabbath to do whatever you want and call it spiritual. In my experience, binging a whole series on Netflix or endlessly scrolling through social media has never actually felt like rest for my soul. Usually those things for me are an indication that I'm trying to avoid some reality of my life. Two, the Sabbath is not the same thing as a day off. And I understand that that might be idealistic for some of us. If you don't have more than one day off in your week, there's so much grace and there's so much just reality in your situation to, to do what you can where you are. And <laughs> what I mean by this is in my practice of the Sabbath, anytime that I'm doing something productive, checking things off of a list, running errands, doing things that aren't necessarily related to my job but are productive, that's not Sabbath rest for me. And I'm going to add one here for my single friends in the room, in your homes, that practicing the Sabbath doesn't mean becoming a monk for a day. You don't need to spend the whole day completely isolated, be responsible, but you're allowed to Sabbath with people. Unless that idea terrifies you completely, uh, maybe you should try to spend some time alone. Now, we get to our first practical. Pick a day. Choose a day to Sabbath. Pull out your phone, your calendar, whatever you use, and look at the week ahead. Like Even right now, do that and pick a day to Sabbath. If you don't have a full day in this week, pick a half day. And if you don't have a half day, pick an hour. And if that's too much, start maybe with a Sabbath dinner. Now, hopefully you've had some time to do that. Number two, it's time to make some lists. And I'm not even a type A person. I actually don't like lists, but this if you hear nothing else in how to implement the Sabbath, this has been the most helpful thing for me. So, in your time with Jesus, ask the Holy Spirit to help identify those things that fill you up, that refresh you, and that bring you delight. For me, at this point in my life, that could be sleeping in, having an extra cup of coffee, going surfing, playing some beach volleyball, taking photos, making a great dinner, having a glass of wine, having a socially distanced dinner with some friends. The list could go on. But now out of those things that you come up with, identify five. Just five things that you want to prioritize on your Sabbath day. So you can literally, on a piece of paper, write down, today I will have extra coffee, go on a walk, surf, read Psalm 92, and make a delicious dinner. Something like that. Just write them down. And when our yeses are solidified, it becomes so much easier to say no to things. Next, on that same piece of paper, in that same time with the Lord, 
Identify the things that you're prone to being enslaved by. The things that feel heavy and more like work than rest. For me, some of those things look like social media, work, finances, making lists, group chats, emails, or just being on my phone at all. And out of this list, choose maybe two of these things and commit to avoiding them on your Sabbath day. So maybe it looks like today I won't have Instagram on my phone. Today I won't check my bank account, have my notifications on, send that one email, whatever the thing is for you, just pick two. And for me, this has been hands down the most helpful practice in getting a hold of Sabbath because it frames the Sabbath as a day of delighting in God with God. If I only make a list of the things that I don't want to do, if I only make a list of the no's, I very quickly find myself treating it, treating the day like the Pharisees did. Remember, the Sabbath was made for us, not us for the Sabbath. Number three, prepare for your Sabbath. To set yourself up to fully enjoy this day, preparation will only help. So maybe that looks like grocery shopping the day before, spreading out the errands and chores before or after your Sabbath, making a, a crock pot meal or going out with some friends, leaving your dishes in the sink, whatever it is, prepare for your Sabbath. Next, number four, be patient with the process. Remember that Sabbath rubs up against the gospel of our culture that tells us that our identity and our productivity are combined. The Sabbath will disrupt your operating system that is always wired to be on and producing and performing, and it will be uncomfortable at first. Also, have grace for yourself. There's a lot of trial and error as you're integrating Sabbath into your life. Hopefully you journey into this with your digital community or your house church, but don't forget that we're all wired very differently. And you cannot copy and paste someone's Sabbath onto your life and hope for the same result. Some of their practices might be helpful, but some of them might be heavy. And that's okay because we're different. But if you find yourself halfway through your Sabbath feeling not rested at all and more frustrated, don't give up on it. Just take a moment, center yourself, invite the Holy Spirit to be with you again, and keep going. And then at the very end of that day, maybe with that list that you made, just reflect. Maybe in your prayer of examine, if you practice that, what were the things that were helpful that actually made me feel rested? And what were the things that kind of sucked? And take that list, take the reflections into your next week as you continue to practice, because you will slowly form the Sabbath day that fits you in your season of life. And know that with every life change, every worldwide pandemic, every new job, every new kid, whatever the change is, you will find yourself adjusting your Sabbath. And that's totally normal. A single 20-something is going to have a very different experience with the Sabbath than new parents or a single mom, or empty nesters, or newlyweds. The invitation to enjoy the Sabbath is for everyone. And we each bring the uniqueness of our real lives to this practice. Now, I'm just going to run through some final suggestions that help set the Sabbath apart 
because especially now in this world where we are home so much and the days kind of blend together, having some, some actions, some tangible things that set the day apart are so, so helpful. So some ideas to start your Sabbath. You can light two candles to signify the two commands of practice or remember and observe the Sabbath. You can have a glass of wine or juice with your meal. You can fast for the 24 hours leading up to your Sabbath and break your fast with your Sabbath dinner. You could read a certain psalm. You can turn off your phone or put it on do not disturb. You can pray a blessing over your family, your friends, your roommates, and the whole day ahead of you. You can make that list of your five things and have your family participate. Ask your kids what would they delight in as we practice this day of presence with God. And some ideas to help close your Sabbath. If you lit those candles, put them out. Thank God in prayer for the last 24 hours that you had. Read another psalm. Most practically, Turn your phone back on and get blasted with all the emails that you missed that day because that will surely ruin any rest that you had. Friends, in all of this, never forget that our aim is to be with Jesus, to walk with him, and to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. We are trying to learn how to live in the kingdom of God as sons and daughters of the king. As we take time to slow down, and to practice, we will start to experience the freedom of life with God who came and said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Walter Brueggemann, theologian, has this line and he says that people who keep the Sabbath live all seven days differently. And I can't think of a better time than now to allow an unhurried, non-anxious life to bear witness to the good news of King Jesus. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word and your spirit. God, thank you for the gift of Sabbath. Would you help us? We need you. Would you help us take hold of the rest that you have for us? Would you invite us into more? Would you speak to us now, God? Amen. Thank you, friends. God bless you. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church.